focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome to this week's edition of Processing College Football. I am Jason Randazza here with Mark Catlin. We are nowhere on your FM dial, but we are all up in your iTunes podcast business. Mark, how are you doing? Did you know we reached uh, a ranking of uh, like the number 157th slot on the iTunes store in the college sports category? You know, I saw that on ESPN last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're two yeah. spots above um, the the Cat Wrestling podcast. I should I which, should say the the collegiate pretty awesome the collegiate Cat Wrestling podcast yeah. pro Cat well, Wrestling. We'll, ne- is, we'll never get to the professional no, level. It's still way more popular than we are. Um, sure. Anyway, so as I said, processing college football. Uh, we seek to be a little bit of an introduction to college football. So if you have questions you want us to answer, particularly if you're new to the sport, or if you have any topics you want to dis- us to discuss um, or terms you want us to define, send them in. You can reach us on Twitter at processingcfb or email us at processingcollegefootball at gmail.com. Okay, um, so that's it for introductions. This is our third week of doing this. Um, We're going to do a quick week two uh, review and week three preview. But before we get started, Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's been a good week. It was uh, was an interesting week in college football. Um, So uh, looking forward to processing that a little bit. And then uh, I think we got some some games slated this week. That'll be fun to, to predict and see how we did, unfortunately. Last week, I think I missed almost all my picks, so got to come back this week. <laughs> yes, I actually wanted to take a minute because we're only two weeks into the season, and <laughs> um, and this is only going to go downhill from here for me. But I think at this point in time, uh, of the 15 games we've picked, I think I'm 12 of 15. Um, and wow. you are only 10 of 15, so um, I'm going to I'm gonna take over the expert role of this show. Um, hey. And, Go for it. And hey, you, I'll, I'll you start can ask me questions. questions. <laughs> yeah, I'll start uh, asking you questions like Jason. How do you do it? Uh, it's um, luck of the draw is what it's going to turn out to be. Unfortunately. And um, by the way, if you told me I'd, I would have gotten ten out of fifteen right, I would have been like, man, that's great. Yeah. Twelve out of fifteen is insane. Well, so and well done. We're well going to talk about that Oklahoma game, but I'm also going to gloat a little bit there. But I picked that correctly even though all of those people on game day uh picked it incorrectly and they they seemed kind of like smug about it too um yeah so jason i mean really what we're saying here is not only do you become the expert on this show mm -hmm. you should probably have a spot on game day right should have the only spot on game day you will be the coach of texas (laughs) a&m and i will be the the sole game day host (laughs) and i'll be your only guest every week that's once that's again fine. we have the coach at Texas A&M, Mark Catlin. That's right. <laughs> uh, I think we need to pitch this. All right, we can't we can't give out any more details, right. or ESPN's going to steal our idea. Um, that's true. All right, uh, well, so we do have 
we, we do have a few things to process here at the top. Um, so uh, every week uh, what we do in this segment is um, I discuss things with Mark that came up that either uh, I don't understand at all or um, I don't understand completely and I ask for a little bit of clarification for him. Uh, this is my part as the novice trying to get more... Um, I don't know, uh, understand the sport better. So the first thing that came up that I was interested in is um, targeting. So I was watching, it was a, it was a UAB game, um, and one of the UAB players uh, basically was called a penalty for targeting, and he was disqualified for the rest of the game. It was in the second half, and you mentioned like uh, fouls last week. If they were flagrant enough, then the players could be ejected for the rest of that game and the half, the first half of the next game, if it was in the second half. And that's exactly what happened here. The, the thing that came up that was interesting, or I don't even know if it was interesting, but the, the commentators even didn't understand is uh, they didn't think it should be targeting, but the ref said because of the use of the crown of his helmet, it was, and he was disqualified. So... If you could just define the term like broadly and, and what they're looking at when they're making this call. Sure. So it's a really good question. And targeting is a pretty complex rule because there's a lot to look at. And then it's a rather important rule, uh, as you said, because you can lose a player, not only for uh, the rest of the game, but if, especially if it's in the second half, then the first half of the next game as well. So people are really um, caught up in the rule, how it should be called, and, and all those sort of things and the implications of it. And so the play that you're talking about, uh, the reason it was targeting is, uh, as the referee said, he led with the crown of his helmet. Mm-hmm. Now, usually, we, I think when people think of targeting, they think of helmet-to-helmet contact on a defenseless player. Right, so uh, that's what was, I've heard before. Right, and so, and so that's, that's one of them. So receivers, you know, stretched out trying to catch a ball. Guy comes in and hits him in the neck or uh, head area. Mm-hmm. That's targeting. We tend to think about that. But this was actually not a defenseless player, mm-hmm. and it wasn't uh, helmet-to-helmet contact either. It was purely based on the crown of the helmet. And this is kind of a lesser-known rule, I think, with targeting. And the reason it's there is we tend to think of targeting as uh, protecting the offensive player, the person with the ball who's getting hit. Mm-hmm. But this is actually in play uh, to protect the offensive player, but really to protect the defensive player. Because what the crown of the helmet is, is it's the top of the helmet. Mm-hmm. And so if you go in to tackle somebody, your <laughs> thank, head's down. And you, thank you and for you defining the crown for me. Yeah. Well, well it's, I mean, it, I, I think people do get confused about it. Is it, you know, the, the front could be the crown, like the just above sure. the face mask, that kind of thing, but the very top of it. And so if you go with your head down, and you're running as fast as you can, and you hit somebody like that, it's very easy to cause a serious injury to yourself. Mm. Uh, Neck injury, paralysis, those sort of things. And so that's kind of the reason behind the rule. And it was very clear on this particular play that uh, the player went in with the crown of his helmet and hit the player. And so it didn't look like targeting when we the way that we usually think about it, but it absolutely is. It's written in the rule book that way. Uh, that if a player leads with the crown of the helmet, then it's targeting. Okay, okay. All right, well, I'll try not to get too upset about it. It's, it's uh, a good rule, um, and it prioritizes safety. Well, and and one of the things, he, watching the game that you saw is he actually got injured. Oh. Right? He wasn't seriously injured. He was oh, on the ground for a while. I see that. Oh, wait, no, no, yeah, I so... did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right, sorry, I uh, had some streaming issues. Um, I don't want to besmirch ESPN3 because they are a sponsor uh, of the sure. show, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> but it was terrible. Um, okay, uh, the next term, this one comes up a lot. It's redshirting. Can you explain redshirting? I hear a lot about redshirt freshmen, but I had heard about a redshirt senior this week, and I thought I understood the term, but I almost thought by the time you get to your senior year, like they stop using that that term. Yeah, so uh, you're, you're kind of right, actually, but redshirting uh, is uh, something a player will do to where they can be a part of the team, they can practice, they can get, watch film, they can do all the stuff with the team, uh, but they don't play in games. And a lot of this, the reason you hear redshirt freshmen a lot is a lot of true freshmen, their first year in the program will do that so that they don't lose a year of eligibility. So you can play, you can be with the team but not lose a year of eligibility. You only get four years. And you have to use those four years generally within a five-year time frame. So you have one year that you have a buffer. Mm-hmm. Now, that's kind of how redshirt normally works. But later in your career, if early in the season you're playing and you get injured and you miss the rest of the season within the first three games, then you can actually apply for a hardship waiver. And a lot of people will call that a medical redshirt, and you'll get that year of eligibility back. Um, so it's not just for freshmen, it's for others. But generally here, if somebody's taking a redshirt year, that would be a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, instead of uh, a true freshman, a true sophomore. And what redshirt means is um, academically, a redshirt freshman is in his second year. But athletically, he's using his first year of eligibility. Sophomore, second, or second year of athletic eligibility, third year academically. So somebody used the term redshirt senior Really what they just mean is a, a, we would normally say a fifth-year senior. Okay. But you could technically say redshirt. Well, that clarifies it a little bit for me. Um, and you and I discussed offline a little bit about uh, other shirts that exist. Um, but we might uh, uh, broach those topics as they come up. But if you're listening out there and you're wondering about any of those specific shirts or even any of the shirts that Mark or I have in our closets, please... <laughs> <laughs> email in and ask those questions. If only we were on video. Right <laughs> if only. Um, okay. One last thing that I wanted to like process, uh, and it's more implications. It's not a term. Um, I think uh, heretofore we've only done terms, but um, this kind of impacts the whole season. So uh, as you're aware, if you've not been under a rock for the last few weeks, um, We've had some inclement weather, especially in the south. So we had Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey, um, and obviously uh, those were big, huge storms, um, and um, you know, like it, it disrupted life down there tremendously. Uh, and one of the lesser things, certainly, that it disrupted was uh, the college football uh, season. Um, and since we are a college football podcast, uh, I just wanted to kind of go into uh, how. Uh, this might, I don't know, impact maybe some of the the college football playoff chances for some of these teams impacted. Now, obviously, (laughs) I do want to say unequivocally, canceling or postponing these games was the absolute right call and safety is paramount. Um, But yeah, so some of the the games that were canceled, uh, Arkansas State and Miami, um, Louisiana Monroe uh, versus FSU. Actually, I think the Miami game was in Arkansas State. Uh, UConn, uh, and USF, uh, Northern Colorado and Florida, Georgia Tech and UCF, and and a couple of these teams um, 
you know, maybe like three of these teams could even like be in playoff consideration uh, in any normal year. So what's your opinion on how uh, basically just missing an entire game could uh, impact that conversation if these if these teams were to go either undefeated or have a one loss? Yeah, I, I don't know about that end of it. You know, I think the – so some of the games were canceled. So yeah. Arkansas State, Miami was canceled, Louisiana Monroe was canceled. Uh-huh. The more interesting thing I think is that coming up um, – Really, what you have this week is a game that's postponed, and so it's not canceled. Because right. uh, Miami and Florida State were supposed to play each other, and so they're playing it later. Now, the effect I think that ends up having um, is, I mean, it, so it, Miami and FSU, if, if they went out, I think they're going to be in mm-hmm. uh, the playoff if they go through and then they win the ACC championship. But I think the effect that it has on those teams is that it makes it really, really difficult to win out. The reason is that uh, because this week they were going to play each other and they had to postpone that, later their bye week, where they would normally get a week of rest, is gone. Mm -hmm. That's now filled with this game. Which means that Miami plays 10 straight games, nine, nine of which are against conference opponents. Florida State... Uh, if you include Notre Dame within that, I mean, so there are eight conference games and then including Notre Dame. So they don't have any easy games, right? So Arkansas State was canceled. They played Bethune-Cookman the first week. So their two cupcakes are gone. They have only tough games against good FBS teams left. Then Florida State also plays 10 straight games, eight of which um, at one point there's eight straight conference games and they play Delaware State toward the end. Mm-hmm. So I think the effect that it's going to have is they're already emotionally drained right. and physically drained. It's just going to be really hard to win all those games week in, week out. And if they do, I mean, I say they're in because right. what an incredible obstacle to overcome um, with not only the school, but probably a lot of guys' families sure. are in these places. Um their homes could have been destroyed and things like that. To be able to come that, overcome that emotional toll mm-hmm. uh, and then physically be able to perform like that, I mean, I, I, what an obstacle to overcome. And so, I mean, as you said, I think that's that's the bigger effect that it has on these teams. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it's 100% the right call. I mean, the devastation down there is unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it affects everything, including this, and so it could affect uh, their, their chances there. But... Um, you know, we'll be cheering for them to, to play as well as they can, but also take care of what they need to take care of. So that's kind of the, the way that I see it playing out. Uh, I definitely agree because I, I know I mentioned uh, in our week two preview uh, that uh, the Louisiana Monroe game for FSU was really going to be an opportunity for them to, um, you know, get that new quarterback uh, some yeah. play. Uh, yeah. And now they, they don't have that. Um so, yeah. Anyway, I agree. Uh, I hope everybody is safe and their family is safe. Um, should we uh, move on to our week two review? Let's do it. All right. Um, so the first game that we previewed last week was the Auburn-Clemson game. Uh, Clemson went into that game a four-and-a-half-point favorite, um, and they ended up winning 14-6. to six. So... Both you and I picked Auburn to win outright. Um, so, 
And at the beginning, you and I were texting back and forth, and I think, I don't know if you were, but I was feeling pretty smug, um, and they looked like the better team, uh, but it happened like twice. They, they they would move the ball relatively easily, it seemed like. They'd get down into scoring position, they'd be in the red zone, and then they'd squander their opportunity and kick a field goal. They did that twice. Those were their six points. Um, and then, you know, later in the first half, they, they weren't able to do anything, and by the time... Uh, it was the second half. Clemson turned it on. Uh, you know, Auburn just looked ineffectual. Um, and, and I guess in the end, I really thought that Clemson, without Deshaun Watson, uh, would have fallen further than they apparently have. And and I thought they looked really good, uh, particularly their, their defense, uh, which uh, <laughs> sacked uh, Jared Stidham 11 times over the course of the game. Uh, and that might say more about Auburn. Um, but suffice it to say, I was way off on this pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that we were way off. I, I think, um, yeah, Clemson's defense looked good. I mean, I don't know that their offense looked great. 14 points, right? right I mean, sure. if Auburn, Auburn converts on those two uh, possessions they have, maybe even inside the five-yard line, it, it's a tie ball game, you know. Uh, but they don't, of course. Their defense looked uh, really good. Clemson's did. But I mean, also, I mean, eleven sacks is a ton of sacks. That's uh, I mean, crazy. No matter no matter how you, no matter how you put it, no matter why you're getting sacked, the defense is just completely wrecking you. Um, however, there were several. I was just completely unimpressed with Jared Stidham's mm-hmm. performance. Now, obviously, he's getting pressured a lot. Offensive line isn't holding up. There's reasons for that. But coming from Baylor with all the hype, I thought he'd be really good. And there were just some basic plays that he missed. There were several times, at least three of those sacks, he's back there. He has to scramble out of the pocket. But once he's out of the pocket, he can throw the ball away. Mm-hmm. But instead, he just runs out of bounds and loses several yards. Yeah. And he just throw the ball. He did that several throw. times. Yeah, several which, times. Which so, seems like, like a, kind of a rookie move, I think. It's a huge rookie mistake, and he's not a rookie. He has yeah. played college football before, albeit for a different school and maybe not great at defenses. Sorry, Big 12. But <laughs> um, just the mindset, something was wrong. He, and so I think with this pick, um, we kind of talked about it. Uh, I think if Jared Stidham shows up and even plays decently, mm-hmm. Auburn probably wins this game. Um, and so that's why I don't know if Clemson's that great. I think yeah. Auburn just played very poorly. The other thing is Carryon Johnson for Auburn was out, and Cameron Petway wasn't 100%. Uh-huh. So the running game wasn't really there like it normally is. Stidham didn't play well. So I, I don't, I, I'm going to reserve judgment on Clemson as a whole. Okay. Uh, defense looks great, but I mean, putting 14 points up at home, I don't know. Uh, you know. We'll look at the Louisville game this week. I think that's going to be tough. You're not going to score 14 points at Louisville and win. So, um It'll be interesting to see kind of how, how things shake out moving forward. But I don't know. It was uh, I had a terrible time watching this game. Yeah, it no, it was uh, it was especially boring in that first half. Um, right, right. I agree. Anyway, moving on. Um, the next game we're going to talk about is Oklahoma Ohio State. Uh, this was the game day game. Ohio State came into this a seven and a half point favorite. Um, I said that Oklahoma would win this game outright. I said it would be 31 to 21. Um, I think you had Ohio State winning. Um, 
but the score was actually 31 to 16. Um, so I was right. Um, eat it, everybody on game day. Um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Baker Mayfield looked good again. I, I don't know. I, I thought this game was uh, shocking, frankly. Oklahoma, I don't know, really had a, a dominant performance over Ohio State, uh, which I don't think anyone was really expecting. Except for me, obviously. <laughs> Except for you. I mean, you you got it right. Kudos to you. Uh, yeah, I was I wasn't shocked that Oklahoma won. Uh-huh. Uh, I was shocked by how they won. I, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe I have Urban Meyer too high up on my coaching list, but the offense at Ohio State still looked lethargic under J.T. Barrett and Urban Meyer, which is shocking. Um, it's just Urban Meyer's too good of a coach for that to continue to happen. They changed out their offensive coordinator this year in order to get that thing going, and it's still not going. Um, and I, I expect Baker Mayfield to do great things, but I think the more shocking thing, uh, other than Ohio State's offense just being sluggish, is I think Lincoln Riley in his first year at Oklahoma mm-hmm. in his second game on the road at Ohio State completely outcoached Urban Meyer, and that is shocking to me. Um, and uh, the play that kind of encapsulates that is uh, – Two minutes, 17 seconds left in the third quarter. The touchdown that Baker Mayfield threw to go up 17-13. That play call, the design of the play, everything about it, if you go back and watch this play, the defense was completely fooled in every respect, and it was a wide-open touchdown pass. Mm -hmm. That is about coaching on offense, out-coaching the coaches on the other team. And you should, like, the... The fake handoff, then there's a wide receiver. They fake the screen to the wide receiver, and you see the safety come down. He bites on it hard. Tight ends going up the seam. Boom, touchdown. It was beautiful. And that's all about that's all about coaching. Execution has to be there, but that play design mm-hmm. and how the how the teams react is all about coaching. And I think Lincoln Riley just completely outcoached Urban Meyer. And uh, so Lincoln Riley, he was uh, bumped up after uh... – Stoops retired last year. What, yeah. what was he an offensive coordinator? Yeah, so okay. he, he's an offensive guy, and, and he knows that personnel. But it's a different ball game when you jump up and you're you're a head coach, and you're trying to oversee the sure. offense. That extra responsibility, and I, I don't know. So I, to me, it seems like something's wrong at Ohio State. And I thought they were coming with a chip on their shoulder, ready to prove something. Uh-huh. They looked the season after losing so badly in the playoff and. The way they looked against um, Indiana was terrible. Right. You know, the second half they turned it on, but came out slow. Here, Oklahoma embarrassed them on their own field. It's just it, something seems wrong. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So I saw that. Um, I don't. I don't know if uh, this is Vegas or other sports sites just doing their own metrics. But after this win, Oklahoma shot up to uh being the the second most likely to to win the national championship um after alabama of course um of course so uh yeah this was a really i mean not only did ohio state not look how they were expected to oklahoma just looked really good way better than people were expecting them the next game we want to talk about is the stanford usc rivalry usc was a seven point favorite uh, and I think we both uh, picked USC to win this one. USC won it 42-24. to 24. 
what did you think about this game? Uh, USC looked dominant. Yeah, you know, um, I, I was I was a little concerned after the Western Michigan game where Western Michigan hung around for a long time. Um, but man, they came out and looked like everybody expected them to look. Uh, I mean, the short of it for me is I'm feeling good about my pick for them to win the Pac-12. Um, I still think they'll play Stanford. Uh, I think Stanford still looks like the best team from the North. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there'll be a rematch in the championship game, and it'll be see who, it'll be interesting to see how, how that turns out. But USC looks like the be- best team out of Pac-12 to me. Yeah, yeah. No, they really did. Um, we're not going to spend too much time talking about that because we got a lot to talk about. So let's move on to our next uh, game, which was uh, Georgia-Notre Dame. Um, so Notre Dame was the favorite here by four and a half points. And I think I balked last week about, uh, them getting that line. And so just some insight into this that I found out after the fact. Um, so Georgia had lost their starting quarterback, um, in week one, uh, Jacob Eason out for this game, but I think he'll be, I don't know if he'll be back this week, um, or when, uh, so they, they went with, uh, uh, their backup Jacob, uh, Jacob Fromm. Um, and then also, of course, they were playing at Notre Dame, uh, which gives Notre Dame a few points. Um, I, you and I both picked Georgia to win this one. Um, and so, yeah, it was Georgia 20 to 19 and it, it kind of went down to the, the end there. I don't know. what do you think of this game? It was an exciting game to watch. You know, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of exciting plays. Um, you know, from a, from an uh, analysis standpoint, uh, I, you know, going into it, the reason I wasn't too concerned about Eason is, uh, Fromm's a, a big recruit, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of talent. A lot of people think he has more upside, more potential than Eason does, even though Eason was a huge recruit when he came in. So I wasn't that concerned about Fromm. Plus the other reason is uh, George as Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb at running back and just hand to get, tell the freshman to just hand the ball to these guys and let them run. Having said that, it's interesting that they didn't do that more, in my opinion. They, they let Jake throw a lot, uh, a lot. And uh, I think they would have won more handily and a lot more easily if they had just kept handing the ball to Michelle and Chubb a little bit more. Um, but... Yeah, it was an exciting game. I mean, Notre Dame is just okay. They're not that good. Yeah. I think Georgia will continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm also feeling good about uh, about Georgia by pick coming out of the East, yeah. playing Alabama and losing them losing an SEC championship to Bama. Yeah, I'm not feeling so great about my pick of Florida. But uh, moving on. Uh, the next game we talked about was Alabama-Fresno State. So Alabama was a 43.5-point favorite. Uh, we both said that they wouldn't cover the spread, and they didn't. It was 41-10. to 10. Y- You know, this was, you know, 41-10. I don't know how much there is to discuss. But we did see some things uh, that we can talk about a little bit. Uh, their backup QB, I'm going to try this, Tua Tagovailoa got some plays in. How do you think he looked? Uh, I think you could just call him Tua, you know. Tua. Sure. Uh, Tua, I'm just gonna say Tua. Tua looked good. Um, he, he had a couple really good throws. He showed that he has he's got a good arm. Uh, I think you could see him. He understands the offense already. I think mm-hmm. pretty well. Like he could go through his progressions like a quarterback should. 
He's a dual threat quarterback, which means he can pass, but he can also run really well, like Jalen. We didn't get to see that that too much, but uh, I'm looking forward to to getting him in there uh, a little bit more in the future. Um, the and one thing that Nick Saban said is no matter how the game was going, uh, Tua was going to come in in the first half like he did, and so I think they're try- they see that they got a talent there and they want to give him some playing time when they can to develop him because they see that, that they have something pretty good. The one negative thing is he's smaller than I thought. Mm-hmm. He he walked out there and he just kind of looked small, which I thought was I thought it was taller. Um, and so that, that that can be interesting for a quarterback uh, being able to see over the line and that kind of thing. So maybe it won't affect him, but uh, he's a little bit smaller than I thought. But I thought he looked good. So one of the things I read in some of the analysis after this game was exactly what you were commenting on after week one. Uh, a lot of people are concerned that Alabama they don't have a lot of people that they're passing it to um it's <laughs> mostly calvin ridley and I, I don't know so thoughts on that anything here that made you hopeful or or, or question this you know i i mean I, I was a little encouraged by uh the passing game i mean it's against an inferior defense but somebody else other than ridley did uh catch a ball wide receiver and catch a touchdown a tight end got in the game and so that was good. You know, uh, I think, you know, this is in many ways just kind of a scrimmage trying to get reps in. Uh, the problem is going to continue to be can can Jalen – two things. Can Jalen get the protection he needs from his offensive line to sit back there and throw the ball deep? And then will Jalen have the patience to sit back there? Um, he had over 150 yards rushing, which is great. Mm-hmm. But eventually, like if you're running it that much against teams with better defenses uh, – there's you just increase the chance for injury and things like that you become one dimensional mm-hmm. and you can be stopped and so the passing game is going to have to develop i think the bigger thing is actually going to be on defense how do we develop we lost two guys for the year at outside mm-hmm. linebacker we got two other guys gone for a little while and there were a lot of young guys who have not had any play experience out there and so the pass rush was was not very good uh, you could see them making mistakes at times. I mean, they're all really physically gifted, but it's a little early for them to be in. And so how those guys develop over the next couple of weeks, because even when we get the other two of the four outside linebackers back, they're going to be rotating in there. And so how they develop is really going to be a key to how well our defense is able to play throughout the rest of the year. All right. Well, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye out. Let's talk about Louisville UNC. Uh, Louisville was favored by ten points. Um, I think we, I think we said that Louisville would cover, uh, and they did. Forty-seven thirty-five was the final score. Um, what did you think about this game? I mean, you can sum this up in two words: Lamar Jackson. I mean, that guy's just oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else really to say other than Lamar Jackson. So, no, he is. Okay, if we, if if those new to college football are are with us, um, and you don't know who Lamar Jackson is, just go look at, at any highlight reel. Um, so, in this game, he had 525 yards himself, okay? 74% of his team's total production uh, he had six touchdowns, three passing, three rushing. Um, so for his uh, total yards on the season, he has over a thousand. Two games in, um, I was I was 
I was like, okay, that's a lot of yards. So I was prepared to go uh, and read a list of teams that Lamar Jackson himself, that his personal offensive yardage was greater than. But then I looked at those numbers, and that would be over 100 teams. Um, so all but like 25 teams. And that's not even entirely fair, because a few of those teams have played three games. Um, so he is just, I, I don't know. Uh, he's almost playing a different game, it looks like. So we'll talk a little bit more about him coming up because we're going to preview the Clemson oh. game. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he's something else. Um, all right. <laughs> I don't think we have to talk a whole lot about this. Uh, Penn State pit. Penn State was a 21-point favorite. Uh, we said they would not cover. The final was uh, 33-14. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Penn State's a little bit better than I thought. Uh, Pitt looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, whatever. That, that's about the size of it. Um, Utah BYU, the 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 holy war. Uh, Utah was favored by one. We said they would cover because BYU was awful. Score was nineteen to thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> Any notes on this one? Yeah, I mean, so it was pretty. It's a sad game. You know, BYU is terrible. Utah wins 19 to 13. Just the score says I was boring. But, dude, the whole friggin' state of Utah, football in the state of Utah is just riding the struggle bus hard. Like, all aboard the struggle bus. Let's go. We're terrible. They should just play this game every week and see who wins the Utah State Championship because it's just, it's bad. It is. Yeah, yeah. I tuned in ever so briefly. Um, all right, and the final game we talked about last week uh, briefly was UAB Ball State. Ball State was a 14.5 point favorite, and they covered uh, 51-31 was the final game. UAB looked real good early on, um, but uh, they did have that that call. They lost one of their players in the second half, and the second half, Ball State uh, turned it on, and, and they just they really they just kept scoring, and, and UAB couldn't keep up. But yeah, still proud of them. Yeah, no, I think uh, you know my my thoughts on the game are you know for a school that didn't have a team for a couple of years, they're doing pretty good. Um, and so it, it's fun to track that and just see them yeah. uh, play well and actually compete and those sort of things. So um, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about that. Agreed. All right, uh, so let's talk about some week three games. I wouldn't say it's as uh, packed a schedule as we had last weekend. Um, at one point, we had I think four massive games on all at the same time on Saturday night. Um, this weekend, there's not so much to keep up with. Uh, so the the biggest game of the weekend is the Clemson Louisville game. Um, Clemson is a three point favorite. Uh, that's the game day game. You can catch it 8 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. I don't know what. What do you think of this line? I, 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 again, I thought Clemson's defense looked pretty good against Auburn with those eleven sacks. Um, Louisville's defense, eh, I don't know, not as not so great against UNC. So the question is, I don't know. Do do you think that Clemson is going to be able to, you know, score uh, more than Lamar Jackson is basically? Um, <laughs> I guess I guess that's the, that's always the question. Can one team score more than the other uh but when you play in louisville that is the question yeah um well, i don't know i'm not sure they can i i still i'm gonna i'm gonna hazard a guess here 28 to 20 is what i'm gonna say with clemson winning 
Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, you know, the story here is uh, Louisville also gives up a ton of sacks. So mm-hmm. Clemson had 11 sacks. Louisville gave up, I think, something like 22 sacks in just the last two games at the end of the year. This will be the first big defense that they really face. Um, I think Louisville's been waiting for this game. Uh, they should have beaten Clemson last year, in my opinion, at Clemson. So it's at Louisville this year. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson gets his revenge. I think they went 31-28. to 28. All right. I'd, I'd like to see that. And as I said, uh, Lamar Jackson's a really fun player to watch. All right. The next game we have coming up is the Florida-Tennessee game. Florida is num- ranked number 24 currently. Tennessee is ranked number 23. Florida is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. It is a 3.30 game on CBS. Uh, I think this is a tough game to call. We have one week to base our opinion of Florida on because their week two game was canceled. Uh, and that was the Michigan game. And you can go back to our week two podcast and, and kind of uh, see how, how we felt about Florida on that. They looked pretty bad. Uh, then again, Tennessee didn't really turn things on against Georgia tech until uh, the second half in that matchup. Um, I'm going to say Tennessee wins this game actually uh, 20 to 17. See, so, yeah, I'm going Tennessee, uh, okay. 17-14. Um, just a funny Although little... it will be interesting to see Florida with uh, the suspended players back. Right. Uh, f- funny little note. Um, maybe the one funny thing that came out of uh, these storms down there. Did you happen to see the damage uh, that Florida's stadium... Had? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the O and the D were... Torn off of Florida inside the stadium, which is pretty appropriate. That seemed appropriate. All right. Uh, Alabama this weekend is playing Colorado State. Alabama's a 28-and-a-half-point favorite. You can watch this 7 p.m. on ESPN2. I think Alabama doesn't cover, but uh, is pretty close. 38-10. to 10. Interesting, yeah. I think uh, I'm going with a uh, barely cover. Uh, I've got it. Same score, forty-one ten. Same score as a Fresno State game. Fresno State could have been a lot worse. We played a lot of second-string guys. I think we'll have our first team in for a little bit longer, and we'll kind of get it going slowly. But because they'll be in longer, I think we'll score more. More, um, or the, they'll be in longer, even though we're playing a better team. They'll score just as many points. So I'm going forty-one ten. Bama covers. Okay. All right. Uh, Auburn this weekend uh, is playing. The uh, Sun Belt, I think, Powerhouse. Uh, I might have that conference wrong. Mercer, the Mercer Bears, their mascot's name is Toby, uh, which strikes fear in the hearts of all men. This is obviously a featured game. You can catch it at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the SEC Network. There's no line on this one because you just don't know how this is going to go. I'm going to say Auburn 42 to 7. So I'm going to go with Auburn wins if they score more than 6 points. If Auburn <laughs> if Auburn's only scores 6 points, Mercer wins 7 to 6. Okay. So we both think Mercer's going to score 7, so this is <laughs> this, this game will be determined. And Mercer by... Mercer's in the SoCon, the Southern Conference. Ugh, okay. Sorry. So sorry Mercer fans. I know we have at least one of you out there. So, uh, next up, Samford is playing Georgia. Your alma mater is playing Georgia. Uh, another featured game, 730 on the SEC Network. Uh, how do you think this will go? 
It's Bulldog to Bulldog. Yeah, I got the Bulldogs winning big here. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, Safe bet. Stanford in a close one. Okay. Because here's the thing. Stanford's playing at Sanford Stadium at Georgia. There's a little magic there. They'll get it going. Plus, uh, head coach uh, Stanford, head coach of Georgia, used to coach together. In fact, Kirby Smart used to be his assistant coach when they were back at Valdosta State. Sanford coach has his number playing at Sanford Stadium. Boom, Sanford wins a close one. Okay. Closer than the experts think. All right. Well, what are you thinking? 20-19 like last week? Sanford winning? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Um, I, I'm not going to hazard a guess on this one, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll believe you, uh, the resident expert <laughs> here. <sighs> Mark, I think that's all the games we have to discuss this week. Um, so I feel pretty good. I'm going to extend my lead here. I don't know if we disagreed that much, um, except on the Clemson-Louisville game. Um, anyway, uh, anything else you want to talk about? I think that's it, man. I'm looking forward to watching these games, uh, catching up to you, because Louisville's going to beat Clemson. Chipping away your lead. All right. Um, so that does it for us this week. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, we're, please rate and review us. Uh, it does help. Share us with your friends your neighbors, your co-workers, uh, your bosses, uh, especially if you want your bosses to like you. Yeah. Anything else, Mark? Thanks for listening to Processing College Report. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>